offensive line additions, the looming questions around the running back room, and much more here today on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Wednesday, June 21st, 2023, and it is Power to the Pod, our mailbag episode. All the things that you guys want to know and that are at the top of your minds are the things that we're going to tackle here today on the show. I want to give a special shout out to our everydayers who are locked in on a daily basis with us here on Locked on Dolphins. You guys are the straw that stirs the drink, and you are technically the hosts of today's show. I've got about 20 questions lined up and tried to bunch them into a number of subcategories. I got a slew of offensive line questions. Big surprise there, right? Everybody wants to know about the offensive line. Got a slew of running back and ball carrier questions, some of which are a little bit more big picture than just, are the Dolphins going to sign Dalvin Cook? So I'm looking forward to those because it's new angles of the same kinds of storylines that we've been really invested in this offseason, and then kind of a smorgasbord of miscellaneous questions at the end. So it's going to be a great show. I want to give a shout out to those of you who submitted questions. A bunch of you came through on the Dolphin, Locked on Dolphins subtext community. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Dol- Locked on Dolphins subtext community, it's a chance to interact with me on a daily basis and text with me. You get some behind-the-scenes content Uh, some secret film studies, all that kind of stuff. You could text 305-419-3924. Get your first two weeks free. Find out if you like it. Text directly with me. Cancel at any time. Uh, If you like it, it's a couple bucks a month. Again, that's 305-419-3924. Text Dolphins and sign up for the subtext. So let's dive in to our questions, many of which came from that subtext community, but not all of them. Our first question comes from an eight eight. One five number. Back in April, after the first couple of waves of free agency, you said that if the offensive line, as constituated at the time, did not change by August 1st, you'd be very concerned. I don't think any additional roster moves on the online will happen between now and August 1st. So, but given that, what is your level of concern today? This question really boils down to how much faith do you have in Isaiah Wynn? Uh, and uh, I believe those comments were made right after the NFL draft in which the Dolphins drafted Ryan Hayes, and we obviously had Senior Bowl director Jim Nagy on, uh, who's very familiar with Ryan Hayes. He talked about how how Ryan Hayes is kind of from his backyard area, and obviously Jim had him at the Senior Bowl this year, and uh, there's some possibility that, that Ryan Hayes competes for a spot on this roster. I don't think that there's uh, a lot of probable outcomes in which Ryan Hayes is a starter. So it really boils down to Isaiah Wynn. And for me, whether it's at right tackle or left guard, Isaiah Wynn, who they added after I made that initial comment, is your fourth best offensive lineman based off the information that we have right now. Now, whether or not he goes out and executes and takes a starting job, that's a different story. Uh, But 
it at least the domino effect of inserting win at O-line four and everybody that drops down as a result of that. I don't have the warm and fuzzies. I'm not over the moon. I'm not going to sit here and look you in the face and tell you that this is a top 10 offensive line in football. Uh, but I think from a talent perspective, they've allocated some youth with developmental upside. They've allocated some veterans with something to prove. They've allocated a number of pillar pieces on the offensive line. Uh, and three-fifths of your starting offensive line, I think, are quality starters or better. So it, it, there are much worse shape offensive lines than, than what Miami has. But it's all about the chemistry and gelling together and Isaiah Wing going out and claiming one of those starting spots for me to feel comfortable with what you've got. Which non-project, this one from Wade, which non-projected starter on the offensive line has the best chance to break into the starting lineup? Also, Dalton Risner, question mark. I would say if we're going to project the five as the three pillar pieces, Armstead, Connor Williams, and Robert Hunt. And if you want to say Isaiah Wynn is the fourth best starter, I would be inclined to say, and I kind of expect that to be a left guard thing, um, that you would have Austin Jackson at right tackle. If that's the five, the low-hanging fruit would be to say, well, then Liam Eikenberg is the most probable because he was a high draft selection and they made it seem like they felt he was turning a corner before he got hurt. Um, I just worry about there being too much damage done there. I would say Dan Feeney is probably the next on my list. Uh, the, the, there's a familiarity with the system. There's center guard flexibility. Obviously, you're not going to need him at center. Knocked on wood very loudly there for anybody. Um, assuming Connor Williams is available for you. Um, but there is a level of versatility and familiarity the scheme that I think that Dan Feeney, with what they, especially what they paid him to be your utility into your guys, kind of the next guy up in my mind. 305 number, what was Connor's point of holding out? He wanted to prove a point. Do we feel he got enough assurances from the team uh, in the midst of that minicamp holdout? Uh, I would say more often than not, uh, these, these off-season holdouts are absolutely inclined to deliver a message to the team. And the message that was given to the Dolphins was, I'm not happy with my current situation. I'd like a new contract, and I'd like a contract extension to be here. I would be surprised if it materialized further than what it was in minicamp. Um, how much hardball you want to play, are the Dolphins actually going to get it done? I think whether it gets done or not, I think the message was delivered. Uh, but I would say probably the majority of holdouts uh, for new contracts are mini camp only, and then you get to training camp and you you start incurring more and more fines uh, for your guaranteed or for for your salary for not being there for mandatory events, and that doesn't last too long usually. So I think the message was delivered by Connor for sure. Danny wants to know what training camp battle I'm most looking forward to. It is that smorgasbord of offensive linemen. It is Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wynn, Liam Eikenberg, Ryan Hayes. Um, you put Robert Jones probably in that mix, Dan Feeney in that mix. You, you got a lot of bodies there, and it's not just battles for the two starting spots. I mean, these, these are battles to make the roster. And I think some of the financial obligations can give you a pretty good idea of who some of those guys are and are not going to be. Um, 
but how that group shakes out in the competition, that group should raise the floor of the whole unit. And I think just the robustness of how many guys are contending for playing time uh, is a really, really good problem to have when you consider how hard they were pressed at times last year, particularly at guard when we had Lester Cotton starting in the playoff game. But uh, I'm looking forward to the offensive line battle royale. 804 number, do you think Coach Barry can get Austin Jackson and Lee Meikenberg to a better level of performance? Are we truly at the ceiling? Here's what I would say about both these guys. I can't definitively say that either one of them has reached their ceiling as, as players. I find it very hard to believe that a player who was as technically proficient at left tackle as Lee Meikenberg and somebody who was, is as athletically gifted as Austin Jackson that this is the best product that you can create. The problem is there's uh, conflicting timelines with getting those players the experience needed to get them to the best versions of themselves and the expectations of this football team. And the Dolphins, I think, did themselves a disservice and did Liam Eikenberg a disservice with how he was handled his rookie season for getting pinballed around a million different positions. I think it's unfortunate that Austin Jackson, we only saw play... 75 offensive snaps last year because you know that could have been a really critical year for him from a player development standpoint but it is what it is at this point uh I, I do think the Dolphins have protected themselves with guys like Isaiah Wynn and Dan Feeney from being all eggs in those baskets which is a smart thing to do um they've kind of hedged themselves a little bit but they left the door open for those guys to realize their potential but they, we we can't wait for these guys at this point the expectations for this season are too high. Speaking of expectations for this season, maybe you want to get in on some NFL futures. I got some good news for you. You can head over to FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now, and get in on all of the NFL futures action, but also baseball's in full swing. Lo and behold, the Marlins balling out, got hot, playing good baseball. Take the bat off your shoulder and take some hacks over at FanDuel. Uh, there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet with FanDuel does not hit. So don't miss your chance to get that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, the official betting partner of Major League Baseball. We're going to switch gears. Uh, plenty of offensive line battles spotlighted here in the first segment, but segment two is all about the backfield, the offensive backfield. Uh, 605 number with our first question. Would you take Leonard Fournette or Dalvin Cook given both the benefit they bring to the team and the other players currently on the roster? we may need to sign the longer-term deals. I wouldn't want to give either Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette a long-term deal, if I'm being honest. Um, I've seen some comments on, on some of the videos about, you know, it's crazy to believe that 30 years old is old at the NFL level. Uh, but for some positions, it is not old. In other positions, it is old. And I think the running back position, particularly with the wear and tear of what Leonard Fournette was early in his career in Jacksonville, 
uh, and then what Tampa leaned into him to be down the stretch of seasons when they were contending in the playoffs. And then obviously Dalvin Cook with the, the workload that he has shouldered. There's a lot of mileage on these tires. And I understand for the backs, there's an incentive to get multi-year deals. But that's kind of just the market for veteran running backs in general, is you're not going to see too many three-year deals. You're not going to see a lot of two-year deals with a lot of guarantees. And if you do, it's a lot of guarantees in the first year of the contract. And the second year, the team can escape no questions asked if that player hits that wall, because it's trying to project when the wall is going to come and claim the player. Uh, I, I would be much more inclined to add Dalvin Cook than Leonard Fournette. I think Leonard Fournette is probably better served in a gap-heavy system um, where you are given a gap to hit behind and you can fall behind that puller or that lead blocker and, and get north and south in the hole. Leonard's always been at his best in that regard as compared to when he is forced to get off the tracks or make steep cuts. That has not been where you've seen the best version of Leonard Fournette. He's better when he's carrying momentum through the line of scrimmage instead of pressing the line of scrimmage and then laterally redirecting. So I think Dalvin Cook's a, a better fit for this offense. I would be very hesitant to give either one a multi-year contract, though. Uh, speaking of the running back market and multi-year contracts, 509 number with this question. Maybe a little bit more of a locked-on NFL scouting question than locked-on Dolphins, but I'm curious how you feel about the current running back contract issue. I tend to agree, and this is the question continued, I tend to agree with Daniel Jeremiah's take, take of drafting a young guy, high running the tread off the tires for your five years of team control, and then letting him walk, but I can't help but feel a certain kind of way for the people as the players. It's arguably the most physically demanding position, and I rationally understand not paying them, but it doesn't feel right. Do you think the NFL would ever address it in any way? Sounds like the position specifically doesn't count towards the cap, or a percentage doesn't count towards the cap. Uh, maybe you have a more creative solution, or maybe I'm just way out on left field. And it's just curious on your thoughts. Here's, I, I think the crux of the issue is this. With the way the rookie wage scale is, is lined up, your financial situation for your first four dash five years of play in the NFL, unless you're a first round pick and you make multiple pro bowls and you escalate your fifth year option. It's defined for you. I mean, the financials are largely locked in place and set in stone for you. Um, the, the barricade is when you have that rookie contract expire, the vast majority of teams across the league are not paying you for what you've done. They're going to pay you for what you're going to do moving forward. And the running back position it's perceived that after the first five years, your peak levels of production are probably going to be behind you if you're a high-volume player. So a lot of these running backs, they look at what they got paid and how much they touched the ball, and they say, well, we were underpaid for the last five years. But the team is going to say, yes, but we're not going to pay you for what you did two or three years ago. We have to pay you for what you're going to do moving forward. And as I said, you know, if a running back comes into the NFL and they're 22 years old and they play five years on a first round contract, you're 27. Now you're getting into that hypothetical 30 year wall and drop off and, and select few guys are immune to that. But the vast majority aren't because of the wear and tear. 
So I think you have a conflict with the way that the rookie wage scale is aligned for running backs. And running backs wanted to be compensated for what they've done versus teams paying players in, on the market for what they're going to do moving forward. I think that's that's your conflict of, of interest for the, the parties, and I don't have a good solution for it. Um, but if I were on the team side of things, I would ultimately say, I'm not going to pay you for what you did the last three years. I have to pay you for what you're going to do moving forward. The quintessential lesson in that was the Le'Veon Bell thing. Le'Veon Bell chose to sat out a franchise tag year, surrendered that money, and the Jets paid over $13 million per season. And his play completely nosebombed, but he got 13 based off of what he did for somebody else in their system. So I don't think there's any good answers, unfortunately. Um, 620 number. Excuse me, I want to go to Chris first. Uh, can we go over what you think the strengths and weaknesses of our current running back room are? Is there a back in the stable we can count on late in the year or an inclement weather to pound the rock? Do we have a guy we're confident in giving the ball to in short yardage situations? Kind of stinks with Tua. Uh, you'd love for him to be a QB sneak threat. Uh, but you've seen the Dolphins kind of go to Durham Smythe in some of those kind of motion, get him behind center, the Travis Kelsey play. Uh, so your short yardage, I, I do think right now, is Jeff Wilson. Uh, I think Jeff Wilson is your most physical player. Uh, I think it is fair to point out uh, that Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert are players who historically um, have not played in 17 games, have not handled high volumes, so I think that's why the stable is very important for Miami. Uh, you have to keep all these guys relatively fresh. You have to be balanced. Uh, I, I think with Devon A. Chain and Raheem Mostert, you possibly have some interchangeability to run the same outside hitting concepts and keep the tread lower for Raheem. But the conflict is Raheem's your best and most complete back right now. So I think that is the upsell on going out and adding a Dalvin Cook to this mix is an insurance policy for both the injury histories of Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, but also that interchangeability to do any concept at, at once. 760 number, is this the year we may see more of Alec Ingold carrying the ball between the tackles, say like in third and short situations? Let me, I want to make sure I get this right. I would hate to give you guys false information. Alec Ingold. Throughout the course of his career, has 21 carries in four seasons in the NFL between Las Vegas and Miami. Now, he carried the ball last year six times. That's the second highest total of his career. He carried it 10 times in his rookie season. Logged his first career rushing touchdown last season. Now, granted, he has one receiving touchdown in each of the last three, four seasons. So every year in the NFL, he scored a receiving touchdown. Uh, and he caught 15 passes last year, which was a career high. I would love to think you can find more ways to assimilate Alec Ingold as a complimentary uh, tendency breaker, short yardage player. But as, as far as any level of volume, I, I'd I would be surprised to see him get more than you know your schemes or game plan specific fullback dive. Maybe he's the one who motions behind center and, and takes a, a sneak as well. Uh, and, and then just some play-action passing work downs underneath in the passing game. 
So uh, I would love to see that materialize. I just don't have any level of confidence with the history of implementation of Alec Engel that we would see that. Did I get everybody in running back? Looks like I did. Yes. So we are going to go to miscellaneous smorgasbord of questions uh, with salary cap space and scheme and roster cornerstones and all that sort here to finish on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. 631 number with our next question in the first to kick off segment three, knowing the amount of cap space and who's available, give me the moves you might make to give the Dolphins the best roster for 2023. Um, I'd probably sign a nose tackle. I'm probably waiting to sign a big one, though. I know I, I might let these guys run through. Um, if you're going to sign more of a B-gap defender, Again, you know, Akeem Hicks and, and Matt Ioannidis are still out there. I, I would probably favor Ioannidis for his um, potential. Again, if you're going to pay a guy for what he's going to give you and not what he's given teams in the past, Ioannidis makes the most sense. I, I do think Akeem Hicks, for his familiarity in the scheme, it's just a question of how much gas do you have left in the tank. I have a feeling low-ceiling, high-floor, a-gap pluggers um, will probably be available once teams get the 53-man roster cut. So I would be keeping an eye out for uh, early September, uh, getting, a, an, the, getting a definitive rosterable backup nose tackle. Uh, I think there's more ceiling that's out there right now for players who can live in the B-gap and create a little bit more of a mess. How likely is Greer uh, to bring up another interior defensive lineman to compete or back up Raquan Davis from a 6-2-0 number? Uh, I think that's the best lock on the rest of the the schedule. You know, if you, you look at where the Dolphins do and don't have players, I think that backup nose tackle is the closest thing to a lock that they're going to bring somebody in. It's just a question of who and when. Uh, 905 number. This is a good question. What would a season have to look like for quality starters like Tua Tungvaloa, Robert Hunt, Xavier Howard to turn into roster cornerstones in your mind? For Xavier Howard, it's get back to the level of movement skills that you've been in the past and, and have that ball production return. Um, he obviously played hurt last year. It's, it's very easy to forget that he played with some pretty crippling injuries, but the, the tape is the tape. As Teron Armstead once said, that the... The bio is not going to say you played with a, a hip injury and a toe injury and a shoulder injury and whatnot. It's just going to say whether you played or not and how you played when you played. So I think for Xavier Howard, the, the pathway for Xavier Howard is most direct. Be healthy all season. And if you're the player that we think that you are and playing in this Fangio system, expectation should be that you bounce back pretty quickly. Robert Hunt, uh, I, I just think the... You need a little bit more splash, I think, for Robert. Now, he's, he's been pretty good. I know he's been fairly consistent as well. Uh, he hasn't always, some of the self-inflicted wounds, um, mental miscues in, in pre-snap, false starts, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think you clean those up so we don't inflict so many uh, issues on ourselves. And then continue to to really road grade i i think it will be difficult for him to 
buck the preconceived notion of Miami offensive line without a running game being better as well. So I think he's a little bit of at mercy of the team putting him in position to amplify his, his ability to power at the point of attack. And for Tua, we just need the peaks and valleys to not be so extreme. Uh, and we need to be more healthy. Uh, I, I think about San Francisco game, Chargers game. Um, that stretch in particular uh, was a very ugly stretch for Miami offensively with 75-yard touchdown pass to Trent Sherfield to start the game against San Francisco. Your other touchdown was a 50-yard touchdown to Tyree Kill uh, against the Chargers. You had a 40-plus-yard touchdown pass one-on-one down the far sideline. You hit a number of foul balls and shots down the sideline in that game that landed out of bounds. Uh, anything over the middle of the field was super tight window. Your other touchdown was a 60-yard fumble recovery. So for Tua, I, I think it's we can't do this so much, right? And that's not to say he did that a ton last year, but the bad games were bad. We just need the bad games next year to be sufficient or average. We, we, we can't have bad games being 10 of 28 for 150 yards and a touchdown, which I think was the stat line against the Chargers. Those kinds of performances have to be 55% completion, little bit more success on third downs. Not throwing so many balls out of bounds when you're trying to really feather them into tight windows, squeeze down the sideline. That, for me, is, is the pathway for Tua to elevate his assignment. Let's see. This, 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 seven, seven, two number. You've talked at length about how Vic Fangio changes our defense and how players will be used differently. Can you give some specific examples of stats you expect to see measure how successful this new system is working? Uh, red zone defense, third down percentage, turnovers, points allowed. I think that's a uh, kind of all-encompassing menu. But I think about the Dolphins and how many of their games last year did you get in the second half and you got a third and mid or third and long and you gave up a back-breaking conversion and they went down and they got points that put you in a precarious situation late in the game. That, for me, uh, turnovers obviously was such a, a regression point for Miami's defense last year. And then points allowed. Uh, they allowed more points than they scored. I think that... that menu for me I expect significant improvements in all of those areas 501 number what is the likelihood of the Dolphins bringing competition for Jason Sanders uh, I think with his financial situation and the fact that he has guaranteed money based off of some fine print in his contract for 2023 no more guaranteed money after this season upcoming uh, I, I think that pretty firmly locks him in uh, to being the Dolphins place kicker for another season and we have three more. 305 number, have you ever used chat GPT and AI so far to help you analyze something or create the type of content for your work? Tell us about it and how you think it will either help or hurt your profession. This is really interesting. So uh, I have used chat GPT. Uh, and the ways in which it's been successful to, for me is to make sure that uh, statistics and probability testing is conducted correctly if you bring all of the raw data to it and ask it to run like a correlation test, for an example, and, and I've done that, 
uh, it's very helpful to make sure that you don't incorrectly apply the formulas. But if you don't have the incomplete, or if you if you have incomplete data and you ask it to collect it for you, it's pretty unreliable. Uh, for example, when I did the Jalen Waddle uh, historical context of first two seasons in the NFL, 1,000 yards receiving, and, and created that list and asked it to check the historical records and compile a list of players who had 1,000 yards receiving in each of their first two seasons, it gave me like Darius Slayton on the Giants, and I don't think he's ever had a 1,000-yard season. Uh, and there were a couple other players, and then it missed some players. So I ended up having to manually do the research myself, and that's fine, but was hoping it would serve as a shortcut. And it gave me probably 70% of the data, but I had to then go back and, and check the rest myself. 515 number, thinking back to when you and Joe did the fifth-year options that weren't picked up this year. Like Noe Benogany, is there anybody out there that might be willing to swap their dud for ours, in your opinion? Yeah. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Do you do you wanna knock knock on that tree? Kansas City has some young corners. They have a lot of young corners, but Noah physically profiles like a lot of those corners. Mommy obviously has a need at running back. Might be maybe a change of scenery would be beneficiary there. I think the first name that comes to mind for me is Clyde Edwards Hilaire in that regard. And finally, 864 number, implementation of the new defense. Is it more complex than the last one? Uh, I would say the pass rush is probably simpler, but the reads and keys of the match concepts in this defense are, it, it's, there's much more layers to it. It's a lot more uh, post-snap reads of wide receiver stems for your safeties and nickels and corners to, uh, pass things off and you have to have a lot of communication and that it involves the linebackers as well uh, to be able to kind of wall off there's a lot of split field coverages versus Miami was a lot of cover one and cover three and you saw a lot of country zone where they, they were just dropping to space and not squeezing routes and as a result there's guys wide open uh, and the final part of that question is it a, what is a reasonable time frame for the team to fully implement the system I would say from the jump Vic Fangio Historically, and we did this research and tried to use chat, chat GPT for that as well and didn't have a lot of success with it. Um, Vic Fangio's stop, his year one success with a new team versus what the team did prior to his arrival is startling. Uh, he is almost universally good for a three to four point reduction in points per game allowed defensively and about 40 yards less per game in yards per game as well. So based off of Vic Fangio's track record and the nucleus of what Miami has defensively, and like Jalen Ramsey's playing the system, Bradley Chubb's playing the system, I expect them to be ready to go. That's just me, though. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Special shout out to our everydayers who keep it plugged in. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs. I am out of here. I'll be back again tomorrow. Hope to see you then. Fins up and peace.